Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Hey, you are at Growing in Grace. I'm so glad that you're uh, with me today. I want to share with you some words from Jesus that are written in Matthew 19, verses 1 through 12. I want to talk about what therefore God has joined together. It's about marriage. I've been married for 37 years. It just seems like yesterday that my wife and I stood at the marriage altar and we uh, exchanged our vows and that we began to enjoy life together. And I can definitely say with a just a sincere heart that uh, the Lord has been so good and we enjoy each day. I tell my wife uh, really multiple times every day that I love her. And so I think marriage is intended to be that way. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and let Jesus tell us uh, what he thinks about marriage and how it works and all these different things. There were some hot topics, some controversial topics that were buzzing around the uh, social circles in his day. And so uh, let's see what they were talking about as we drop in on uh, these words recorded by Matthew in Matthew's gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Some very interesting words spoken at a time when a lot of people were talking about marriage. You know, I noticed in this uh, passage that I just read 
how these Pharisees were wanting to talk about divorce, but Jesus wanted to talk about marriage. I think that's the emphasis that the Word of God has for us. So let's go through here, and I want to point out some things that I noticed in my own personal devotions uh, just actually this week. And so I shared them with my staff uh, this week, and I'd like to share them with you. So uh, let me start with verses 1 and 2. When I read these two verses, I noticed that there was a crowd gathering around Jesus. You know, I think that people who knew Jesus, who saw him for who he really is, I think they liked him. I think they actually wanted to be around him. You know, as one studies any passage of scripture, any text, it's always helpful to consider the context. You see, Jesus will respond to this current issue that I referred to earlier that people were facing regarding marriage and divorce. And so chapter 19 begins with almost like a clip. Think in terms of a paper clip to the previous chapter. Why do I say that? Because this chapter begins with these words. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, what sayings? What was he just talking about before he gets into this topic? Because under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew felt compelled to put these two chapters together. You know, if you were to go back and read chapter 18 of Matthew, then what you would discover is that in chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, that Matthew and Jesus and these disciples, they were walking in a real world. And in a real world, kids get hurt. Kids are wounded sometimes. You know, I wonder if one of the most hurtful things for children is when parents do go through a divorce. Because really, I think what Jesus is trying to emphasize here is the permanence of marriage. And so verses one to six is talking about, don't be a stumbling block to the kids. You know, sin is what causes uh, the breakdown in a marriage. Sin is what causes all of the pain and all the hurt in our world. We can't ignore pain and we can't ignore hurt that is, uh, is there. It's a reality in this broken world. But in verses 15 to 35, just before uh, Matthew begins these words in Matthew 19, 1. In those previous uh, verses, Jesus was bringing out how adults need to forgive. They need to forgive the hurts. And so that's why I find it interesting that he clips these two chapters together with these words. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings and he went, he's moving from one location to the other. It doesn't matter where you go in our world. I think that all over the world, people are hurting from uh, all different kinds of, you know, um, collisions with sin. But certainly there's a lot when it comes into marriages. But it says in verse two, and large crowds followed him. Why were the people following Jesus? I think because of what is said next. It says, and he healed them there. Do you know that right there, in your pain, right there where you live in a world of hurt, there's somebody that can bring healing in there, and that's Jesus. So I don't want you to see Jesus as the one who wants to punch you. You know, if you are considering a divorce, you're considering ending your marriage, or if you've already been through one, I just want to remind you that Jesus is the healer. He's not the one who hurts. 
Sin is what causes the hurt and the pain, but Jesus is the one who can bring healing to that pain. So that's where we begin is with a crowd. They're interested in what he has to say. And so when the crowd is all gathered around him, someone has an inquiry that's related to marriage. So Jesus follows the the hot topic. He follows the question. Unfortunately, Matthew tells us, hey, these guys that asked that question of Jesus, they actually had an agenda. They had an ulterior motive. It says the Pharisees came up to him and tested him. Hmm. Sometimes I think that's what people are really wanting to do whenever they want to talk about marriage and all these other issues. Maybe some people are not coming to learn. They're already coming to push a certain agenda. But when they asked the question, here was the question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Hmm. I think that right there is very important. When my wife and I lived in Canada, in Alberta, we used to go camping a lot. One of my favorite parts was sitting with my wife beside the campfire. I love to actually build the campfire to split the wood and get it ready. But I learned that, you know, the the larger the log is, the more difficult it is to split with a typical ax. But you get a splitting ax, or even better, you buy and invest in a splitting mall. Hey, there's not going to be a problem. That's what this question was. This question was like a loaded, a loaded gun. It was like a splitting mall that's going to divide. And what these Pharisees were basically doing, they had strung a tripwire to cause Jesus to stumble into a controversy that was going on at that time. When they said, you know, uh, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? They were tapping into something that was going on in their community. And what people were doing, they were siding with one of two rabbis, Jewish rabbis. One rabbi named Rabbi Shammai, he said, the only reason Moses gave for divorcing your wife is if she had committed adultery. So that was what Rabbi Shammai said. But there was another rabbi named Hillel. And Rabbi Hillel was saying, no, it actually doesn't say adultery, does it? Doesn't it say for any uncleanness? Some translations translate that Hebrew word indecency. And so basically this man was making it wide and broad and saying, really, I think it could refer to, well, let's say that the wife put too much seasoning on the supper. So when you eat it, you're like, my mouth is on fire. Well, this guy would say, that's probably grounds, that's indecent for you to put up with that. Uh, They also said, well, if she speaks badly about her mother-in-law, has your wife said something bad about your mama? Well, I mean, Rabbi Hillel and all those following his line of thinking, they were saying, well, that's enough cause. Or it even got to the point between those who are in that camp, the camp of Rabbi Hillel, they were saying, I think Moses intended if a man sees a woman and she's more attractive than his current wife, he can go ahead and and put her aside and put her away and he can remarry whoever that is that's more attractive. You see how divisive this would be? You see how sad 
that that line of thinking would be? Imagine if you had been with your husband for several years, and then just because he found some other person that he thinks is prettier, he's willing to divorce you after all the time you spend together. I think that would be so sad. So that's what they're trying to do. They're wanting Jesus to side with Shammai or side with Hillel. Either way he goes, they know he's not going to have the crowds any longer. They're going to leave him and walk away whenever he makes a commitment toward one side or the other. But you know what? Jesus knew, I'm going back, he thought, to what does the Bible say about marriage? So he goes back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. He answered, said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning? You see what he's doing? He's going back to who instituted marriage? Who thought of it? Do you know that God thought of marriage before God brought up the idea of the church? I won't say he didn't know about the church. He already knew the church was going to happen. But in the flow of history of mankind, all you have is Adam and now you have Eve and he brings these two together in the institution of the family. And I just think to myself, wow, that's the one. God's the one. It wasn't culture. It wasn't a man. It was God himself who brought them together at the very beginning. I think it's interesting how these men are going to focus later on Moses, but Jesus knew they were going to go to Moses. So what does he do? He goes before Moses. You see, historically, in case you're new to the Bible, Hey, historically, Moses was much later than old Adam. Yeah, he was way before. And so I think it's just interesting how Jesus goes back to the institution of marriage, to the original plans, to how God created them, and they could read about it. He said, have you not read that he created them from the beginning? So God had it written so that no one could say, well, I didn't know. I couldn't find it written down anywhere who instituted marriage. But notice also the ingenuity of marriage. I think that ingenuity means cleverness of design, doesn't it? It means somebody who's really ingenious, someone who's creative. It's like they made this, and in order to make something like that, that fantastic, that person was way out there in terms of intelligence. Well, Jesus brings up in verses four and five that God made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So I find it interesting that biologically, God created humanity in two genders, male and female. Then I think sociologically, he designed marriage so that every marriage has one man, one woman. This man, this woman, they leave their parents and they cleave to one another. A very important concept, this cleaving to one another. And then relationally, he engineered their intimacy to produce children. There are no other combinations that would produce kids, only a man and a woman. That's the way God instituted it, and that's the way God designed it. I mean, this is just an ingenious plan that the Lord had. And notice his intention of marriage that I think is highlighted in verse six. 
speaking of the intimacy of marriage, he said, look, they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. What was God's original intention for marriage? It wasn't separation. It was oneness. That's what God wanted. That's why he brought this into being. I think it's incredible. But, you know, these uh, Pharisees, when they heard that answer, they didn't like it because they'd already formulated their opinion. And so next we're going to see in verses 7 and 8 and 9 how there needs to be some instructions regarding marriage. So Jesus is going to have to teach them more about marriage. What's the major difference between the law of Moses that is in question that the Pharisees are bringing up and the answer of Jesus? Well, let me read these two verses. I think you'll catch it by my intonation. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. You see, you get the feeling that these Pharisees are almost insinuating that Moses was promoting divorce. He's commanding divorce. No, Jesus says, Moses didn't command divorce. Moses gave a concession. You see, Moses was not promoting divorce. He was actually trying to put some guardrails around it to control the amount of divorces that were sure to follow. As a matter of fact, I I read an article, it's sort of dated now, but Business Insider in an article written in 2018 said that every hour there are 277 divorces in America. If you were to break that down in terms of seconds, there would be a divorce in the United States every 13 seconds. I find that shocking. As a matter of fact, that same article in Business Insider said there are nine divorces within that small amount of time that it takes a couple to recite their vows. Wow, that's not what God intended. And so that's why Jesus is trying to clarify to them, why did Moses allow people to get a divorce? It wasn't a commandment, so don't put it in one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt divorce. (laughs) No, that's not right. No, he says the reason is because of your hardness of heart. For sure, the hardness of heart of someone who would commit adultery against their spouse, but also the hardness of heart that can be whenever we're in a protective mode and we've been hurt in a marriage. And so we're trying to protect our hearts. Well, that's what he's talking about because marital wounds can cut so deep. Well, notice Jesus still insisting that marriage is about lifelong devotion. He takes them back and says, look, there's really only one one reason why a marriage should end and it's sexual immorality. It's the only exception that he gives. But notice that it's not something that has to be done. And then I found it shocking when he says remarrying is committing adultery. So it's we can be forgiven, no doubt about that. But what he's trying to say is you may think 
that you broke that covenant that you were in, but in the Father's eyes, He still sees it as a solid holding covenant. You see, God doesn't break covenants like that. He holds on. And that's why He's trying to prevent marriage from becoming like a revolving door. I guarantee you, if you think there are lots of hurts now, if that were to be the case where you could just divorce your spouse for any old reason, it would get way worse. And we see it already is getting worse. As a matter of fact, I found in the Guinness Book of World Records where one lady had been married and divorced 23 times. Can you imagine the pain that would be a part of that kind of legacy? But you flip it around and Guinness Book of World Records said there's also this couple, Herbert and Zelmyra Fisher. Maybe you've never heard of this couple before. Do you know that they hold the record for the longest marriage? They were married 86 years and nine months, almost 87 years together in holy matrimony. Wow, that is some kind of a testimony to faithfulness. That is more like what I think God is saying he intended whenever he instituted marriage. So the disciples hear all of this talk and they're kind of blown away because I'm sure that they were trying to make up their minds in the community. Where do they stand? Are they with Hillel? Anything, even burning food, that's fine. You know, you can divorce your spouse there. Or were they going to be more with Shema'i and say, no, I think I'm going to... Uh, say, no, it's only for some kind of sexual immorality. Well, they make this statement. And I think, I don't know if you've ever done this before. I have. Have you ever said something and you say it kind of flippantly and quickly? And then you think, uh-oh, that's not exactly what I meant. That's what they said. The disciples said to Jesus, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But notice what Jesus comes in real quickly behind what they said, and he clarifies something. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it's given. I think what he's basically saying is, maybe you think right now, this moment, you can exclude marriage from your plans and from your life, but that's not an easy thing to do. You know why? Because I think marriage is a God-given gift. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that God gives to us because he loves us. He knows that we'd be lonely. And so he provides us with a life's mate that's meant to be there. You know, that word cleave and cling and so forth, it actually means glued. And so when things are glued together, you can't just pry them apart. Sometimes things split and splinter all over the place. Well, God says, I want it to be natural for a man and a woman to marry. But the Lord does know that it is possible. He does enable some people to make it without ever being married. And then he mentions a few cases that could happen, perhaps physically. Someone is born with some kind of birth defects and challenges physically that would prevent them from ever being able to have children or to be able to be in a, a marriage relationship. What about... Uh, those that were made eunuchs, he says, by man. There have been evil rulers from the past who have sterilized people and castrated people and made them where they could not uh, bear children, and so they choose not to marry. 
But then he mentions there are some, though, who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Some say, you know what? If I have a family and if I'm married to a wife or a husband, then I'm going to have to be committed. That's what God would expect of me. So I'm going to choose to be committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I'm just going to serve his kingdom. So I'm going to uh, just do my best to uh, give all of my time and all of my heart, all of my love to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's another possible reason why someone might be able to, but but for the rest of us, let me tell you, the inclusion of marriage, it's just natural. So when I read these words, I thought, you know, you don't hear a lot of people saying these kinds of things these days in circles across our country and around the world even. So I just thought they need to be said. We need to go back to the one who actually created marriage, who instituted it, who gave it as an incredible, precious, priceless gift. I know when I think of my wife of 37 years, there are no, there's no economic thing I could think of that would compare to how much she means to me. You know, it's no wonder that at the end of Proverbs, whenever um, Solomon was comparing what is an excellent wife worth? What's her worth? And he said, her worth is far above rubies. You know, if you look up a ruby, rubies are, they're very expensive. But what about multiple rubies? Now we're talking about priceless. That's exactly what your wife should be in your eyes. That's exactly what your husband should be in your eyes. For those of you who are married and are women. I just want to encourage us to get back to the biblical teaching of the priceless value of marriage. Let me tell you, it's, it's so priceless and precious. We should hold it up with great honor. Why don't we pray together and ask God to bless our uh, marriages? Oh, Lord, thank you so much for this time to uh, meet with my friends on Growing in Grace. We do want to keep growing in grace. We want to keep growing in Christ. I do believe that as we grow in Christ, that you will help us to grow in gratitude uh, for our spouses. Um, Lord, help us to look upon that spouse as a a gift from you. Uh, Thank you, Father, that they're a real treasure, our families. Lord, help us to not do anything to hurt our children, but instead to say, I want to always love my kids by the way I love my spouse. Because I think that that gives our children incredible security, Lord, when we do that. And so would you just strengthen all of the marriages of the listeners that are out there today? Encourage them in their homes and in their marriage relationships. Help their marriages, although not perfect, to be such incredible testimonies of your grace. I do believe that our, um, our relationship with our husbands and our relationship with our wives They can be such an incredible opportunity for a testimony that will validate the gospel. Uh, So thank you so much. And for those that have already been through divorce, help them to know that today when you spoke these words, you're speaking them as the healer, not as someone who wants to hurt, but someone who wants to heal. And so, Lord, I pray you would bring healing, tremendous, deep inner healing to those who have gone through pains that are related to previous divorces or 
Maybe they grew up in a home where there was divorce. But I just pray that, Lord, you would help them to know that you're with them and you said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so thank you for your unconditional love for us. Bless us as we go through the rest of our day and the rest of our week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, friend, thank you so much for being with us. Hope you have a great week, a great day today. And so God bless you. Hope to see you next time. Bye. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.